Good morning, my name is Jim Barcliffe, and I'm a pastor here at Lighthouse Fellowship. We're glad you've joined us today. We are in a continuing series of the fruit of the Spirit, and we hope that you uh, have enjoyed it so far as we've talked about some things that I believe are very important. And the important thing is an understanding when you walk in the Spirit, which is not just an option, it is God's calling on our lives to walk in the Spirit. In Romans chapter 8, it says that you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. We don't want to fulfill the lust of the flesh. We want to walk in the Spirit. And here a couple weeks ago, we talked about how do you do that? We can't in our own strength. But we have the power of the Holy Spirit that can obviously work in our lives that we will walk in the Spirit if we want to. We can ignore that and we can become proud and arrogant and we can say, no, I don't want that. But if we humble ourselves and say, Lord, I can't do it, but would you enable me by the power of your spirit to walk in the spirit? Because I want to walk in the spirit. I do not want to fulfill the lust of the flesh. The flesh is very strong, never gets any better. It's there until we go to heaven. And then it's obviously taken away. We will not have this issue. But we're constantly going through uh, challenges every day. How many of you know that life is tough and life is a challenge every day? We have an enemy, the flesh, the devil, and the world. And the enemy is working. Trust me, there is spiritual warfare, and it happens every day. You think, well, I'm kind of elusive to that. No, you're not. When you say that, you've been deceived already. Because we are in a battle, and it's a battle for our souls. Obviously, Jesus has us because we're children of God. But it's obviously for the soul of this nation, for people around us, for our younger generation, to come up knowing Jesus Christ and then coming and, and then they can pass their faith on to the next generation. So we need to pray for that, that uh, generation that's coming up. So we thank the Lord for that. We work with the Lord. We partner with the Holy Spirit when we admit and confess we can't do it. Isn't that good news? That we can partner with him and we can say, Lord, you can cause me to walk in the Holy Spirit, walk in the Spirit. As a result, these fruits, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to obviously test you today in these fruits and that these things are operating in your life. And if they're not, ask the Lord to come and put his finger on it and heal you and obviously allow that fruit to develop in your life. Because I want to tell you, it is a marvelous thing to know this scripture here in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. Let's pray before we begin. Father, thank you for this day, the privilege of coming before you. You're here. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. We invite you. You're a person. You're the third person of the Trinity. And we welcome you here today. You're not an it. Forgive us if we've ever thought that or indicated that. You are a person. And you're here. And so we invite you into this place to move, to touch every heart. To heal us where we need to be healed. Strengthen us, Lord, as we have hit and encountered things we never thought we would encounter. And Lord, we ask you that you would develop these gifts in our lives as we walk day by day. And as they walk out and touch us, make us more like Jesus. We want to be like more like Jesus. And we realize, Lord, we have not arrived. But we know we're all on that journey. 
It is a truly wonderful journey each and every day. It's a journey, Lord, that we know that we have what we need to be able to overcome those things in this world that hit us a lot of times every day. Health, finances, relationships, whatever they may be. That we may be a witness for you and that our lives may truly count. We will stand before you one day and give an account. And you ask, you know, what have we done for the kingdom of heaven? What have we done for Jesus? We pray, Lord, we'll be able to answer that. And to be able to lay our crowns at your feet. And Lord, today, we just look forward to that day. We look forward to you coming back. We look forward, Lord, to being with you throughout eternity. And I pray today, anybody watching or anybody here has never really made that profession of faith. I ask today would be the day that they would move as they are prompted by your spirit to say yes to Jesus. Just open your heart. We thank you. So you speak, Lord, and let me get out of the way and let your word, your truth go forth. Change this, oh God. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. We'll look at it. Okay. But the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Everybody developing more love. You're loving people. You're loving the Lord more. You're loving these things. Obviously, this is not our home, but we love, obviously, the Lord as we walk through this life. And it's important that we grow in these things. This is fruit, and fruit grows, okay? They're all there. And if you're walking in the Spirit, you're going to be growing in this. If you're not, there's going to be some a snag along the way. And you're not going to grow. But the desire of all of us, and we're here for that purpose, and that is to learn and grow, not just intellectually, but experientially, knowing Jesus and having an intimate relationship with him, moment by moment. And that's the purpose as we share this today. We've looked, obviously, love encounters all these things. And if you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it's the love chapter. You know, we do a lot of good things. I can come up here and preach a lot of sermons. I can speak in every tongue. I can have all the gifts of the Spirit. But if I don't have love, it just says it's like clanging cymbals. It's of no use. But the fruits of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, is where it's at as it's developed in our lives day by day. How does that happen? It happens through daily experiences and how we respond. And most of the time, as I've shared with you, it happens through adversity. It happens through challenges in life when we go through life and and we're like, golly day, how do I respond here? And, and you surrender and you, you ask the Lord to help me with this. I was talking to someone, Cindy and I were visiting someone on Friday. And uh, this person's going through some real hard stuff with her health. And the daughter was sitting there and she, she mentioned to us, she said, you know, my sister is real, you know, real uh, complete in her prayers. And she sends emails because she's not in the area about prayer she's praying. And she said, that's really helpful to me because I can pray those prayers along with her for the healing of my mother. But she said, my prayer many times is just Jesus help me. Everybody relate to that? Jesus help me. Because sometimes I just don't know how to pray. So when we pray and we come before the Lord and say, Lord, these things are just not happening. I, I'm, I don't feel like I'm really loving as I should. I just said, if you do everything religiously, 
I can be the greatest preacher in the world, which I'm not, obviously. But I can do all those things. But yet, if I don't have love, it's like clanging cymbals. It's of no use. I can be the greatest minister in the world. You can be the greatest uh, engineer in the world. You can be the greatest architect in the world. You can be the greatest, uh, obviously, family member in the world. And if you don't have love, it's all worthless. It makes no difference. So this why this particular fruit is very important. Joy. Joy is something that God wants us to have, doesn't he? And I don't know about you, but I need refilling all the time. I lose that joy. I'm a leaky vessel. And so I need to be refilled. And that's why we're here today. And I just ask the Lord to fill y'all, everybody here with that joy, the joy of the Lord. Because the joy is where it's at. You lose your joy. And the Bible talks about that you lose that hope and the heart gets sick. You get depressed. Because you lose that joy. You lose, lose that momentum for life. And you begin to just sort of draw back and become apathetic. And so joy is important. People can steal your joy. Circumstances can steal your joy. A lot of things can steal your joy. But the Bible makes it very clear that we don't obviously have to allow it to steal our joy. It's very important to keep coming back. And the next one is peace. Peace. Everybody have peace. You know, we talked about peace. And we talked about how peace is there. And we're, we're so much in an anxious world today. I mean, they're talking about COVID and how that's continuing to creep up and, and maybe we'll get worse this fall and this winter. And we have that. And so we're wondering, what does life hold for me? Does, we don't want a variant, definitely, or whatever those things are. And it takes away our peace because we don't have a peace. We have apprehension about every aspect of our future. And God says, I've come. The fruit of the Spirit, one of those is peace. Those things that are there, that if we keep coming back to the Lord, when you feel you've lost that peace, keep coming back. It's why we're here today to celebrate the Lord Jesus, to worship Him, but also kind of get to refilled up, okay? And then there's patience. Talked about it. And long-suffering, they're two words. Everybody, I think there were people that sort of... uh, chuckled about it when I talked about patience because everybody ducked their head when I used we're going to talk about patience and how many of us in here need patience and you go I need patience amen I need patience and the illustration is uh, that you know when you get in a, a grocery line I can get in there and and I look for the line that I think the person in front of me has the the the, the least amount of groceries so I can get on through the line okay and I get behind that person and the, the checkout person is there and they get a particular item and they go, this doesn't have a price on it. And I go, oh, no. Anybody know what that means? They've got to get a price check. And so you're going to be there for a while and you just stand and wait until they get that price check. And then the person fumbles and can't get its credit card or the credit card is no good. They slip it in there with a chip. And obviously, it doesn't work. Ma'am, this, your card is not working. I'll take you. you have to use something else, okay? Well, I've been behind to where they finally, after using several credit cards, they finally pushed their grocery card of groceries over to the side and just said, I'll have to come back with another credit card. I mean, I've stood there for probably a half an hour, 45 minutes. How many of you have also gotten in a line like that, okay? And then, obviously, you get so impatient that you see another line down here 
And so I get out of that line and rush down to that line. And before I can get in that line, three or four more people have beat me to the punch. Now, y'all know what I'm saying. Because patience, what is that? Just what I'm talking about. And it is obviously something that we need, that fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the the Spirit, patience, but it also slash long-suffering. Obviously, long-suffering means suffering long. All of y'all in here, we can look at each one. We, We suffered long, amen? But it's a fruit to hang in there when adversity hits and it doesn't clear up right away. That's the character, the character traits of a Christian that is bearing forth the fruit of the Spirit. That's something that we obviously know we all want. We don't ask for it. We don't ask for adversity. We don't ask for health challenges and, and all these things. We're in a war. We're, we're living in a fallen world. When Adam and Eve sinned, we know that obviously it brought sin into the world and sin brought death. Jesus came to bring us life, to restore us in that way. So, all those things we're talking about. But the next one here is talking about gentleness. Anybody here know someone that is gentle and what they're going through could be really some bad stuff. And yet, through all of that bad stuff, they're still gentle. Anybody know anybody like that? You like that? I like that. See, it's a fruit of the Spirit. Gentleness. To be gentle in those types of things. You know, I have a tendency when I'm going through adversity to be pretty rough around the collar. I have a a problem when I'm going through adversity sometimes to to be pretty hard to live with, okay? So this is the opposite of what we're talking about today because when you're going through adversity, you're really showing experientially where the rubber hits the road. And yet God is saying, I want to work this in your life, but you can't produce it. You've got to walk in the Spirit. And that means every day. It's got to be something serious that you and I take serious and we commit to every day. And when we drift away from it, we come back. Obviously, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But he wants us to keep running back to the Father and asking him for that grace that we so desperately need. And so, obviously, what does gentleness mean? What is it here? A simple definition of gentleness is to have a sweetness of temper that puts others at ease. Everybody got that in here? Everybody got that, that real sweetness, okay, that put people at ease around us? You go, well, I've got sweetness, but I'm not sure if it puts anybody at ease around me, okay? It all goes together, and this is what gentleness is. It puts people at ease, and it's important to understand that our, our pleasant and good and gracious and kindness of heart, all of those are definitions of gentleness. Is this working in our lives? It's a very, very important question we need to ask. We ask the Lord to examine our hearts. Is this working out? Are you rough as a corn cob going through life and just making your own way? And everything that stands in your way, man, you mow it down because I'm a, I'm a man and I, I'm going to take that bull by the horns and I'm going to do that. You see, gentleness is the opposite of that. That's not a fruit, taking the bull by the horns. It's not, take, obviously not taking, uh, you need to take responsibility. And you need to do that. But there's something about, something down deep. People see, the question is, the people want to get around you? The people want to know you? People want to have friends with you? The people want to obviously rub shoulders with you? 
Are you abrasive? Or whether or not you're kind? Are you gentle? That's the question, you see. And that's what it is about life. Because I want to tell you today, relationships are very important. Not just in the body of Christ. Relationships are important in society. In fact, God put us here for relationships. And what COVID has done, obviously we know, has sometimes sort of detoured that. Has obviously uh, done things that kids today, they're saying that the kids have not learned like they should have in a, uh, uh, a classroom setting. They can't see the expression on the teacher's face. It's covered up by a mask. How important it is for me to see an expression on your face and, and, and for you to see one on mine because you can tell a lot of times what I'm thinking if you can see the expression on my face. And it will cause you to either repel from me or either to be drawn to me. And all these things are a part of it, aren't they? That kindness that's there and goodness is there. And that, this scripture talks about that gentleness that's very, very important here. And when we think about this in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, the King James Version says, And be ye kind, here, and this word actually in the Greek is krestos, one to another. Be ye kind, one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. Be tender, kind. Are your heart hard? Or is your heart tender? Is your heart hard because life's circumstances has made it hard and calloused? And you've had so many difficulties that you have a hard heart now to where really it reflects upon everybody. Because you see what happens. Either we spill on other people good things or we spill on other people bad things. And that's just life. That's the way we are. And why are all these things so important? It's because God is saying today, I want you to love one another. I want you to forgive one another. I want you to be tenderhearted one to another today. And you see, in the body of Christ, we are models for what the world is looking at, or should be anyway. And we should be that model today. And if we're not living up to that, we got an issue, you see. We need to reflect what Jesus did when He came. And He laid His life down. And we too should lay our lives down one to another. As brothers, you see, I don't think we understand the full concept of being a family. Or maybe we do. Maybe we think that this is the way families operate. Just callous towards one another. But that's not what this says. It's a fruit of the Spirit. It's kindness. It's tenderheartedness. And obviously, very, very important. And this has to do with having pity. And what? Compassion on others. Forgiving. Compassion is so important. You have compassion. You see, when we talk, we listen. When we share, we listen. You know, the Bible says, be slow to speak and quick to listen. How many of us men know we got in a lot of trouble because we haven't been listeners, okay? And when the wife says something, we want to just go ahead and fix it and go to the bottom line here when the wife wants us just to listen. But see, it's not just true in that relationship. Is true in life in all relationships. People are looking. Do you know what can you can do? You go, well, I can't minister like you do and all that. Yes, you can. You have the same spirit in you that I do. But one thing you can do is to listen to people. And do you know how many people that I've come up on situations that I had no idea what to do? 
And really, they weren't looking for a, a, a fix, a quick fix. They were looking for somebody to listen to them. And how many times, as a man, certainly I've sometimes have, have not done that correctly at the best of what I should have. But people are looking for that in our lives. It's being tenderhearted. It's being compassionate. It's being understanding of people today. And people may be the direct opposite of what you are, who you are in your life. But if you listen, you can connect. You can engage with people. A person who is kind will also be tenderhearted and forgiving. Listen. A person who is tenderhearted will be kind and forgiving. A person who is forgiving will be kind and tenderhearted. It all goes together. It's not separate. It's all mixed up. The whole thing is for the fruit of the Spirit. It's all together. We need to obviously take heed to these things, which is very, very important, you see. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 12, it talks about being a humbleness of mind. A humbleness of mind is very important. Humility. I remember, and I mentioned in Sunday school this morning, humility is one of the main characteristics and should be of Christians in the end time church. Now, we could say that to be true today. Why is that? It's because our egos get in the way. It's because our, our self-centeredness gets in the way. And we refuse many times to humble ourselves because I'll go, we, he's right, or he's wrong, and I'm right, and uh, I'm right, and she's wrong, and, and so forth. And it becomes nothing but butting heads and standing up and just saying, I'm not going to do this. Humbleness, I remember 35 years ago, a pastor talking about this. I never forgot it. How humble, being humble, and that's not weakness. That's confidence in God. Because if you're in an issue and you feel like, hey, I'm over my head, our confidence is in what Vicky read again, Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And don't lean on your own understanding. All of your ways acknowledge it to Him, and He will direct your path. You see, their confidence is in the Word, in the, in the person of Jesus, in the Word of God. But if we won't obviously humble ourselves, what's going to happen? You're going to be proud. You're going to stand up and you're going to have trouble going all the way through life because you will never, ever have fulfillment in your life. You will always be struggling, trying to fill that void in your life with something that's only temporary. Humility is important. Think about it. We look at how these things are related. Do you ever get a feeling that somehow uh, you need an attitude adjustment? Anybody ever here said you got bad attitude? Anybody heard that before? Yeah, you know, change your attitude, you know. I read a book years ago. It said, Lord, change my attitude, so help me God, okay? Because God's going to help us if we're willing. We humble ourselves and say, God, help me. I cry out to you. Life's tough. I'm over my head. God says he will help us. God is saying that very thing, that we do indeed need to adjust our attitude. We need to walk in the Spirit so that we will manifest the fruit of the Spirit and the attitudes associated with the fruit of the Spirit. Every believer ought to be characterized, listen to this, by kindness, tenderheartedness, forgiveness, mercy, humility, meekness, and long-suffering. Mercy 
is not getting what we deserve. And if you're here today and you say, I am a follower of Jesus, then obviously you will not get what you deserve. And that's mercy. So if God gave me mercy and gave you mercy and not, didn't give me what I deserve, then why not give it to other people what they don't deserve? You extend mercy because God gave mercy to us. It's a part of the fruit of the Spirit. It's a part of the sanctification process. The beginning is justification, just as if we haven't sinned. When we accept Jesus, then there's sanctification. That is our becoming more like Jesus. And one day when we go to heaven, it is the glorification. These things are important if we're going to model to the world those things that we know are foundational in our walk with Jesus Christ. The connection here is that kindness is an expression of love. Obviously, many people today feel that if we love someone that he or she should accept us for what we are. And so we don't feel we ought to have to watch our behavior towards them as carefully as we would with a person, maybe outside the family, you see. But that's dangerous. That's dangerous thinking. That's why people take their spouses for granted. That's why some people treat their loved ones worse than their friends and even their acquaintances. But you see, we have an opportunity to model in this place mercy and grace and love here, you see. And those we love the most are the ones we ought to be the most kind to. Here, Paul refers to goodness. It is, what is that? You talk about it. It is actually goodness here we think about. Being good in its character or constitution is beneficial in its effect. Being good comes from the new life that God plants within us when we're born again into God's family. Doing good is the natural outworking of that inward change of heart that Jesus spoke of in Matthew chapter 7, verse 17. Even so, every good tree, every good tree brings forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree brings forth evil fruit. What's your tree bringing forth? Good fruit? You blessing people when you go through life? Are you directly or indirectly cursing people? Which way? Because it'll be one or the other. You cannot have it both ways. You'll either be doing one or the other. And I want to tell you, we should be modeling that good fruit that comes forth as the Word of God dictates. Goodness and practical Christianity is love and action here. So kindness or Christo, or Christios, has to do with one's attitude towards other people. Goodness is when that attitude is expressed here. Expressed, no matter what. The Bible says we are to love our enemies. Everybody have a real easy thing about that? We're to love those who hate us. We're to love those who persecute us. We're to lay our lives down for those who persecute us. That's taking it up a notch, isn't it? And it's very, very important that we understand that. The Bible says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I didn't get my act together and then sort of run to Jesus. No, while I was a sinner in the depravity of the darkness of sin, Jesus went to Calvary for me. And he went to Calvary for you. The only way and understanding that how we lay our lives down for others 
And so the next point we're going to look at, and that is faith. It's important to understand about faith. We're talking about this particular word. It's uh, pistis, actually. It actually means it's faithfulness or certainty or trustworthy or reliable. Have you been found faithful in what you're called to do? Are you faithful in seeking after the Lord? Are you faithful in obviously fulfilling what God has called us to do? Are you someone that sort of starts a project and then you divert off of it when other things you think is more important comes along? It's all a part of it. Certainly in our spiritual life that we should be faithful. We're called to do something. I don't know about y'all, but uh, we all had to work at this stuff, right? But I was raised in an, uh, an atmosphere, environment, I don't know, it's something I think is there, and that is the fact that, you know, when I commit to something, I commit to it. If God tells me otherwise, then I'll go that way. But when I'm called to do something, I do it. Now, some would say, yeah, but that's an old-fashioned way of living. Yeah, it is, but it should be a now-fashioned way of living, right? And when I say I'm going to do something, I pray because sometimes I have a tendency to procrastinate. And that means put it off. And I don't think procrastination in God's eyes is very is a good character trait. But I back off of it and I reexamine my life. And then I say, no, I, I said this. I want to be faithful to what I'm called to do. And that is to live my life for Jesus Christ and to do it to the best of my ability and the power of the Holy Spirit. To obviously to bless other people. I'm here to bless you. I'm not here to any way to harm you. I'm here to build you up. This is a place we can get built up. This is a place that we can be encouraged. And I don't want to do anything to obviously interfere of what God is doing in your life. Which is always good because he's good. And so this is it. We need to obviously know that this faithfulness is very important. And actually it's a part of our character. And a part of our character begins by actually asking the Lord to help you in places you feel that you're weak in, but also to obviously stay the course. The word is steadfast and to be steadfast in your relationship with the Lord. And don't back away. Say, I'm not backing down. I'm I'm going to I'm going here. I'm going to I'm going to be more like Jesus, not because of my power, but by the power of the spirit. I'm going to follow Jesus, not because I'm so obviously strong in my own might, because I'm not. But in the might of the Lord, I'm going to and I'm going to stay the course. Many people will jump ship here and there always because when they hit adversity or they get something in, and maybe down deep, it's tender. It gets a little bit too close to home. They bolt. Right. What happens in marriages? Now, I'm not saying stay in an abusive relationship at all. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that. But when things are not just right and hunky-dory, because obviously after some years of marriage, obviously you really get to know that person, or maybe you think you do anyway. A lot of people say, well, I'll just uh, divorce this one and get a new one. And so what does that mean? It means what they do is they just jump from the frying pan into the fire. Why? It's because God is saying, hang in there, be faithful, faithful in your commitment. When you made the vow before God Almighty, it was a vow and vows are even more important than commitment. It's a saying, I'm going to hang in there. OK, you know, at times we feel, golly, what is going on? 
But yet, faithfulness is a fruit of the Spirit. It's something that we should stand firmly because it is a character trait. And faithfulness is something that obviously I believe is rare. So we talk about the rarity of faithful faithfulness here. Proverbs 20, verse 6 says, Most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find it. Couldn't find one. Proverbs. Very wise man, possibly Solomon, when he wrote Proverbs. Faithfulness is fast becoming a rarity in our day. I can remember when when you would start with a job, you'd stay with that job. 35 years, 40 years. You know, people would say, hey, I got my 40-year pen, right? And don't get me wrong because I'm a couch, what I'm saying. But, I mean, nowadays, everybody jumps here and there and, and go here and there. I mean, I don't like this. I don't like that and so forth. I don't know about you, but in my experience in the marketplace, I've had some pretty rough people to work for. I don't know about you. You know, if you haven't, then praise the Lord for that. But I'm telling you, sometimes it is hard to work for people. But in that situation where you believe God's got you and he has you there and you don't realize always that God is working character in your life. He's working this fruit in your life of faithfulness. And what do we do? We jump ship and we jump from the frying pan into the fire. Because again, when God puts a test before you, you don't ever fail a test God gives you. You just take it over again. How many of you know that? You don't fail it. You take it over again. Because he's committed to you and me. And he understands that obviously, the Bible says in Psalm 103, but we're as dust. He knows. He knows our humanity. But he says, I want to do something in your life. A life-changing experience. And it can only happen when you're in the, the fires of affliction. And adversity. It can only happen when it's really tough. And I don't like it. Don't get me wrong. But it's only during those times. That we really are changed you see. On the mountaintop. I love them. I love to get them. The breeze is good. It was cool. Where we went in the morning. It was 50 degrees. It was cold. I mean cold. And I went good. And that's gracious. And when I we came back into Houston. I don't think my air conditioner stopped running all night long. It never cooled off, okay? I love that coolness up there on the top of the mountaintop. But what happens in the valley? When you go down in the valley, and you obviously are in that crucible, this crushing and painful and things that, that you're going, I didn't know was in my life. And you're just trying to make it through there. And God said, I'm doing something if you allow me. If you can't and reject it, you can do that too. And I can say no, and I can bolt. But you see, again, you don't ever fail God's test. You just take them over again. But he wants to build faithfulness in us. It's a fruit. You know, a good illustration here, a hallmark has a card that fits the mood of our time by saying, I can't promise you forever, but I can promise you today. Okay? Why not promise forever? Okay? Our short-lived promises are what seem to be characteristic of today's time, doesn't it? But I promise you forever here. And again, as far as living with you and, and, and as your, your husband or wife, I promise you that, you know, I'll stay with you as long as you do what I tell you to do. Or obviously you treat me 
the way I think you should treat me. And not saying you shouldn't treat each other well. But all of us are human. And we hit some real problems in life and we just want to say, let's just chuck it. Let's just throw the towel away. I can't do it. Faithfulness is a fruit of the Spirit. And there's some pain involved in that, you see. But you know the rarity of faithfulness is not necessarily a new phenomenon. Again, in Proverbs, a faithful man, who can find it? And that was written uh, in 3,000 years ago. In the book of 1 Samuel, it's obviously a sad story of of Eli. Eli was a priest and God wanted to, to bless him, but Eli was unfaithful in several areas of his life. And obviously not the least in rearing his sons because of his unfaithfulness, God rejected Eli's priesthood. And in 1 Samuel 2 verse 35, God said, I will raise me up a faithful priest that shall do according to that which is in mine heart and in my mind. God was looking for a priest who would rise above the mediocrity of that day and be faithful in all things. You see, what happened was his sons got into immorality. They began to eat of the sacrifice. And obviously, Eli didn't do anything about it. He didn't correct his sons. He didn't take correction over his sons. He let them go. What happened? Eli one day was sitting on a stool, and he fell over and broke his neck. God took him out because he was not faithful. Certainly, the severity of these things that we see in the Old Testament, we know are there. But they're principles that we see today and should be applied to our lives. Is we need to be faithful. It's one thing we can do in our relationship with the Lord. In Psalm 12, verse 1, David lamented. He grieved the lack of faithfulness in his own time when he said, Help, Lord, for the godly man Cease for the faithful fall from among the children of man. Can't find faithfulness. There's somebody to stick with it and be faithful, you see. Think of some areas maybe where faithful faithfulness is lacking, both in the spirit realm and in the secular realm as, as, uh, as well. How about financial responsibilities and debts? You know, bankruptcies, bankruptcies today, they're very high here. Vows of marriage obviously, are very important. The responsibilities of church membership. The responsibilities here. Faithfulness is a rare thing, but it's greatly valued by God. See, I'm here. God's put me here. And I'm standing until he tells me otherwise. And that's the way we are to live our lives, you see. There is a requirement of faithfulness. Though faithfulness is a rare thing in our day, God uh, nevertheless requires of all Christians actually here. And there in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2, Moreover, it's reported in stewards that a man be found faithful. The Bible teaches that we're all stewards. We should be good stewards of our money. We have a, a steward's body here that makes decisions about those types of things and responsibilities here because God has given us talents and abilities and responsibilities to fulfill the Christian life here. And we need to be found faithful in obviously doing and using our giftings. And what is our gifting? To minister one another. To obviously let that overflow into the community, into the workplace, and everywhere. We're to be fulfilled, faithful today. We need to obviously be faithful here and listen to Scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. For this cause have I sent unto you, Timothy, who is my beloved son, and faithful in the Lord. Timothy was a young guy when he went in ministry. 
And he went into a tough church at Ephesus here. And that church was rough on him. He's the pastor, okay? Now, I'm not saying y'all rough on me, okay? Don't get me wrong when I use this example, okay? But he was, he was going in there, and Paul was trying to encourage him. But one thing Timothy did, he obviously had a calling on his life from his mother and his grandmother. But he stood firm. And there were some tough things. Why? It's because Ephesus was in probably one of the most immoral types of environments that you could ever be in. There were prostitutes around temple. They worshipped idols. There was demons everywhere, obviously, coming in. And people, and, and, and people were obviously worshipping Satan and all that. And yet Timothy remained faithful. What would happen today if we entered into the tribulation and obviously, we know that here we go, the Antichrist comes on the scene. And we know that obviously it's going to be really bad during those seven years that we know of the tribulation. And obviously, if you believe in pre-trib, we're taken out. We won't be in it. Or if you believe in post-trib, you're taken out at the end, whichever one. But suppose we're, we're there. We're going through that tribulation. And people obviously challenge you to stand for your faith. Because if you do stand for your faith then they'll slaughter you on the spot. What would we do? Would we be faithful? Well, the truth of the matter is, that's what's happening in Afghanistan right now. The Christians in Afghanistan. The Taliban has actually got lists of Christians that are in that city. And they're going door to door. And I'll guarantee you, there'll be a lot of killings as a result of that. How would we respond? You see, we've been on easy street in this country, we believe. But the fact of the matter is, and it still remains, that faithfulness is very important. Don't give up. Don't give in. Don't back down. Don't back up. Move forward. Press into the Lord during this time that we see the COVID and the different things that are being said about what's happening and you don't know what's the truth and what's a lie. You stand firm in your faith in Jesus. And even when what we heard in the song, Vicky sang, even when you don't move the mountains, even when you don't, I will trust in you, no matter what, right? Isn't that a prime example of the way we should live our lives today in that song? Amen? It is. Being faithful is a fruit. The requirement there is that we stand firm and a recognition of faithfulness so how do you recognize a faithful person? You look at their, what they do. I can talk a lot up here. <laughs> Probably y'all say, well, maybe too much, Jim. But where the rubber hits the road is how I model my life. Every day, I'm under construction. You know it. But I want to be more like Jesus. You see, in Luke 16, here you go. He that is faithful and that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in the much. When you're faithful with a small thing, you'll be faithful. God will give you more responsibility. He'll give you, obviously, more stuff to be able to help you because he sees that you're faithful in the small things, the things that are really minute in our areas. You know, Jesus said, when, you, you know, when you've done it unto the least of these, You've done it unto me. When you give somebody a helping hand, when you speak a blessing over somebody, when you help somebody out and take twenty dollars 
out of your pocket and hand it to them or whatever, not wanting to be seen by anybody. God said, well, you've done it to the least of these. You've done it unto me. Isn't that good news? But he says, if you're not responsible for those small things, why do you why do you expect me to give you bigger things? You're not going to be responsible for it. I can remember here some time ago. This is funny. But uh, I think I was talking about, you know, uh, when you're really slack in, in different things and, uh, you know, maybe not enough money to make things uh, ends meet and so forth. And uh, I was not talking about what well, God's been gracious to us and we've been great. I've never uh, been lack, have lack of. But I think the, the parishioner, the guy in the congregation, thought I was sort of asking for some help. Jim must be in some real bad shape here. So as he's leaving the church and all, he shook his hand. And when he shook my hand, he had $20 in his hand that he handed me. I'll never forget it. Because he got the idea, Jim's in real bad trouble, so I'm going to give him $20. And maybe that'll help him out a little bit, okay? And I just say that because I'll never forget it. And, and I thought, oh gosh, I must have really come across like I'm in really bad shape and I need something to sort of just have a, my next meal. And he helped it out, slipped $20. I'm not saying put $20 in my hand when you leave at all. I'm not indicating that at all. If you want to, it's okay, okay? Just teasing, just teasing. But it was funny. When you do something for someone, whatever it may be, remember, Jesus sees it. He remembers it. It will be obviously brought before us during that day when we stand before him. When the little areas of life that are very important. I read this story about a pastor who writes it like this. I recall a man, this pastor speaking, who joined our church in Germany. He evidently was the pastor was in Germany. I call him Fred, not his real name. He was a graduate of a leading Christian university in the United States and had served as a song leader, choir director, and principal in a Christian school before joining the army. Fred and his family visited for the longest time before joining the church. But the day they joined, they, he walked up to me and he said he wanted to take over as a song leader and choir director right away. Well, we already had a good song leader and choir director already, though he, he was not trained as much as Fred was. But he was faithful and doing a fine job. To begin with, it would be wrong to replace him just because somebody more qualified wanted his position. But there was another problem. Up to that time, Fred only came on Sunday mornings. And even then, he seemed to come when he felt like it. He worked on cars and other several occasions. He had stayed home from church on a Sunday morning to fix a car. So I told Fred that before I would even consider him for anything, this is the pastor speaking, for the church janitor, as far as that went, he had to show himself faithful in the little thing of coming to all of the services faithfully. And once he had proved himself faithful in that, then I might consider him for some other less visible, less important position to see if he would be faithful in that. Then and only then would I consider him for something as important as, in this case, a song leader and choir director. And he was shocked. He never changed his pattern of faithfulness. So I never used him in any capacity, which was sad because he did have a great talent and ability that could have been greatly used by the Lord but if he had first learned to be faithful in the little thing. You know what I tell people today? 
They go, I've got a job at McDonald's. I say, God bless you. And they go, I, I want to work. And I'm working it as unto the Lord. And I go, don't give up. You keep working at McDonald's. And God will promote you in His day and His time. Trust me, He sees what you're doing. Because a lot of people say, I want to start out with this humongous salary and so forth and all that. That's not the way God operates. We are to be faithful where He places us. I don't know how many people are here today and then those that are not here today. We do not have a mega, mega church here today, do we? Okay? We got other churches in the area, the mega churches, big churches, and I bless them because God is, is putting people there too. I don't have any issues with that at all. But it's not about how big we are, but it's about how faithful we are. When I stand before the Lord, He's not going to say, Jim, how many people were in your church? And I'll go, well, Lord, I, I don't know, 20, 25, or whatever it all He's not going to say that. He'll say, were you faithful? With what I gave you. Remember that. Because we struggle because we compare ourselves with other people and we look at something else or other churches and so forth. And you go, I believe God's placed me here. But gosh, look at what's happening down here. They got a bowling alley, they got sports teams, they got everything under the sun. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it, don't get me wrong, but I'm just saying today be faithful for what you have. And God will reward. Where God places you. I remember years ago when I changed hospices. And uh, the hospice I went to did not offer me as much money as I did. I felt called to do hospice. And God blessed the ministry. And I remember that it wasn't as much money. And I struggled with that a little bit. Because I, hey, I've got my sights on the money and so forth. And I remember a lady in Friendswood sitting down with her one day. And she told me real plainly. She said, Jim, God has given you what you're capable to be faithful with. I'll never forget it. I never had any more problems about the salary anymore. God knows what we will be faithful with. He knows. And if we'll do that, he'll give us more as he desires. And even if he doesn't move the mountain, I will trust in him. Amen. I will trust in him. That's the faithfulness you see. Uh, we need to be faithful with our monies. I obviously look at somebody's pocketbook, so to speak, and I can tell you where your priorities are. Is it in your relationship with Jesus? Or obviously with the things of this world. And I like things. And nothing wrong with things. But putting God first has to be there. And I believe in the tithe. I believe in offerings. I do believe that we tithe 10% of our salary or whatever comes in and then offerings and there's then there's beyond that there's sacrificial offerings we sacrifice let me tell you something god when you give you can't outgive god anybody know that in here i've had experiences trust me that supernaturally god took and just supplied it and i didn't even know where it came from if we do that take care of the thing the kingdom of god first i want to tell you he'll take care of you he will take care of you. This guy said to a pastor, said, I remember borrowing a friend's car for a week. When we were finished using it, I gave it a car wash, vacuumed it thoroughly, both the interior and the trunk, filled it up with gas, and then topped off the oil. The owner looked shocked when I gave him back his car. He said that it was cleaner and in better shape 
than when he gave it to me. Probably since the time he had brought, bought it. He seemed surprised that I would go to so much trouble. But I just thought, that's what I was supposed to do. It's being faithful. Do that and God will bless you. Isn't that good news, you see? We got to be faithful. Ministering to people. Faithful to your home. Faithful to the church house. Faithful what God's called you to do. You do what you can. And always I've said, if you're still here, then God's not finished with you yet. Because if you finish, he's taking you home. Amen. Everybody knew that. You go, go, my bones ache and my knees hurt and everything else. Doesn't make any difference. You've got a purpose and a plan. God will take you home when he's ready. You've got to set the right priorities. The spiritual is more important than the physical. The eternal is more important than the temporal. Relationships and people are more important than things. Truth is more important than relationships. And love is more important than anything in the world, you see. You've got to be responsible and faithful here in letting God work through you to use you. He'll do it. Do you want to be faithful? We'll ask him here in a moment. What are the rewards of faithfulness? God's blessings. God's blessings. You've been blessed. You've been faithful. You'll see the God's blessings. You'll know those blessings. God's going to bless you. He's blessed me beyond measure. And he'll bless you also. Not because of who we are, but because of who he is. Amen. The scriptures play it out. Gentleness, goodness, kindness, tenderheartedness, humility, and faithfulness. All those things all are clumped together. And God is working in your heart and my life. You want it to work? Then you can tell it. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word, your truth. And thank you for your presence. We love you. We praise you, Lord. Holy Spirit, I ask you just put your finger on any area of our lives that maybe we want more fruit to come forth. The anxieties of life have blotted those things out, Lord. And we've lost our priorities. We ask you to put your hand on it, Holy Spirit. My life, everybody here, Touch every life to say, I want to be more like Jesus. And let this fruit go come forth in abundance. Lord, thank you for this day. Change us. Change our hearts, oh God. Change our attitude. Change our perspective. Change our priorities. That the one thing that's in our lives, Psalm 27, 4 says, the one thing, David says, one thing that I ask, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever and gaze upon his beauty. That's our one reason for living because it was David and he was a man after God's own heart. That one purpose. And that is to gaze upon him, to dwell with him all the days of our lives. Father, we ask that you work that in our hearts today. Only by your spirit we surrender and say yes to you, Lord. Thank you.
and we glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Amen.